Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, listeners. It's Sarah. And before Mark and I talk about an Aretha Franklin song, I wanted to talk to you about a couple of quick scheduling things that are coming up. First of all, no new episode next week, Labor Day week. We are taking the week off to A, not labor on this podcast, and B, change podcast hosts. What does this mean for you and your RSS feed? I am hoping very little. It really depends on what you use to download and listen to the podcast. But generally speaking, the new host that we're going with uh, automates the whole process and it should change over without any interruption in service for you. In the event that it does, it's probably as simple as a quick unsub slash resub. Takes two seconds, no big deal. But if you're having problems or you just want to know when the changeover is happening and you don't follow us on social media, you should do that because that's where we'll be having updates. That's at TalkSongs on Twitter and Mastass.podcast on Facebook. That's it. No new episode next week, but we'll be back on the 13th uh, with an all-new episode and an all-new podcast host. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and now here is our show. Mark and Sarah talk about shoot. Mark and Sarah talk about shoot. Mark and Sarah talk about song. Hello, and welcome to episode 115 of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. And I hope that those pauses helped build a sense of dramatic anticipation, because that's certainly what we feel every time we sit down to record this podcast. I am your co-host, Mark Blankenship, and with me, as always, is the Fandiferous, as previously identified, Sarah D. Bunting. Hello, it's Sarah. It's been a while since we've heard Fandiferous. Hello, Mark. Uh, so... On this week's episode, we are going to be discussing a song by the late, recently late, much lamented, and always great Aretha Franklin. And people who have been listening to us for a while know that a couple of months ago, we discussed her song, Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, that she recorded with the Eurythmics in the 80s. And today we're going to take it even further back to talk about one of her classic 60s hits, another of which was covered actually in our year-end episode for 2017 in which Sarah and I talked about our favorite songs from 2017 and 1967 and Sarah chose Baby I Love You as one of her favorites of 67 but another song from 67 that uh, was really uh, another Aretha song from 1967 that was a huge hit was Think which is the song that we will be discussing specifically today and I'm happy to say that our Patreon patrons at the Madonna level and higher, voted on a list of potential Aretha songs that we could discuss, and this one was the clear winner. So we thank you to our patrons for throwing their votes uh, our way to let us get a sense of what we would all like to talk about and what we would all like to think about. Yes. Ah, yes. So, uh, Sarah, I feel like we should just maybe start with the clip and then dive in from there. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Here we go. Yeah. 
Oh my god, I don't think it matters how many times I hear this song, Sarah. This song gets me every time, and I am so glad that it's the one that was voted on by the patrons, because it is my favorite Aretha Franklin song, hands down, no question. Even in the clip that we just played, the number of vocal things that she does, it's incredible. The growl, the leap up into the super high part on high IQ, and the... The, the way that she stretches the notes and jumps up and down uh, uh, around the scale and just is in complete control manages also to feel like she's singing it possibly for the first time. There's so much exuberance in it. There's a feeling that she's like a great actor seems to be making up the speech as they deliver it from the stage. It feels like she's inventing this vocal approach as she's doing it. And this is a song that she co-wrote uh, and unlike a song like Respect, which she interpreted so brilliantly that it became hers she actually wrote this and it was hers from the beginning and i the 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 build of the song into that freedom section is so exciting the the energy the spirit the the brassiness i just i love it all and i feel like that it it is a perpetual machine for providing me with energy i when we learned that we would be covering this song i was I had not heard it in a while and I was not like bummed out, but I was like, oh, that's too bad. Because generally speaking, I prefer the more vulnerable uh, Aretha who is, you know, I find her like warrior presentation a little hard to find a way into. Mm. Um, and I, th- I think that, you know, as impressive as she has always been, sometimes it's when she's being depressive that I love her the most and take the most strength from her, you know, (laughs) sheltering under her wing or whatever. I lost control of that image, but who cares? Um, Aretha is great is the point. Uh, But re-listening to this, uh, I really think this song is fantastic. And think about everything that it does in two minutes and yeah. 22 seconds like you like, barely even start and it's over yeah it it does all of that um it upends traditional pop structure on uh, by like putting the bridge at the end and then just sort of like trailing off right right the piano which is her playing yes. is unbelievable it's like one of the best rock pianos there is top 10 i would say that opening breakdown is just like genius it like knows everyone's buttons and hits them all yes uh and the lyrics like she crams a lot she crams a novella of romantic frustration into a very short amount of time while as you said sounding like this is the first time that these things have occurred to her and like zipping up and down two or three octaves you know no problem it's it's really it is impressive, but it's also like, but it's not like um, impressive at a distance the way she can sometimes be. Mm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. res- like R-E-S-P-C-T, like I respect that song, but I don't really like it anymore because I just feel like it's, you know, I've heard it too many times yes. or it's not a, it's not it doesn't feel felt. I don't, I don't know exactly what it is about that song, but I just, 
maybe I just need some time away from it that I will never get because that's not the culture that we live in. <laughs> no. But yeah, it's a, a song like this where she definitely is that strong, take no shit. I'm bringing my pocketbook on stage and you're not going to tell me squat about it. And person. I shan't be removing my fur coat. No. No. Do not ask again. <laughs> I, I wouldn't dream of it. But there is this there is this aspect of this performance that is that more um, just uh, recognizable, like Etta Jamesy, like frustration. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, the narrator of the song, also have problems, despite being Aretha Franklin and being awesome. Not everything is awesome in my life. Let me tell you about it awesomely um that i the song is really the song is really something it's really something and it's so short i know i'm really glad that the patreon supporters picked this one and like let me sit down across from it again and be in a dialogue with it because i like it so much more than i thought i did and um i am extra mad that i that I won't have the opportunity to ever go see Aretha play the piano live. Yeah. Because, I mean, she went to Juilliard. It's just one of those things that you never, I shouldn't say you, I, growing up, did not know the virtuosic scope of her musical ability. No, I didn't either. I didn't understand that she was a songwriter and a pianist and an incredible singer who could do gospel, rock, pop, operatic singing. I mean, just, I, I'll also so- play this Chopin etude that um, Chopin himself had to cut the webbing of his hands to even reach them. I got you. Like, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, you know, you were awesome enough. You, did, you didn't have to add on yes. all these other things, but I'm so glad you did. Well, and you bringing up the fact that the song is so relatable also makes me think of its appearance in the blues brothers mm-hmm. i don't know if you're familiar with that scene in the film oh yes when uh, she... i mean the rest of the film is kind of like who cares like it's just them having in jokes and you're like right. whatever but sh- that scene is makes it worth the price of admission for sure and several of the patreon patrons commented on this poll about their love of that scene in the blues the blues brothers where aretha franklin plays a diner owner who is working in the diner with her husband her husband is a musician who wants to go out on the road with the blues brothers but she's saying how effing dare you we have to run this restaurant and she sings think to him and it becomes this ode to just trying to get a no good man to spend one moment acknowledging the consequences of his actions and it's so specific in the movie that it does make the song relatable in a new way because it's about a woman who's trying to run a business and keep a family together. And she's not just singing it for no reason. She's singing it because she's like, think about what you're going to do when you leave and I have to pick up your work as well. And there are these three women sitting on stools at the countertop. Uh, Two of them, I believe it was two of them, were her sisters. They get in on the action. And of course, at the end, it doesn't work. And the guy runs off and then so does her cook in the back runs off to be with him in the band too so she's doubly screwed but that just sort of adds a little bit of 
gravitas to the movie and to the song and it's really i think pretty cool and i don't know if you saw but john landis did this interview on deadline shortly after she passed away talking about having her in the movie and how much he loved having her and how nervous she was because she wasn't really an actress and she didn't have a lot of experience lip syncing and how he worked with her and made sure that she felt comfortable and then she ended up bringing in this really good performance and Though I do not think that the vocal in the Bruce Brothers version is nearly as good as the vocal in the original, it's still good, and I think it it gives the song even more dimension. Yeah, um, I'd also like to take note of my favorite lyric, which goes by so fast you almost don't catch it. But this is one of the things that is very relatable to me. I was going to change, but I'm not. If you keep doing things, I don't. Like, well, <sighs> I would, I would change for you. But since it turns out that you're a trifler, fuck that. Yeah. Uh, like, trifling. that's so, like, yeah, that it's not just, like, oh, Aretha would never change for a man. But Aretha would change for a man if he'll be a man. And if he's going to be a trifler, she's not doing, she's not changing anything. Like, yes. That's, that's something that I think we all can, can sit with and recognize in ourselves. And sometimes when these... Um, great artists pass away it can like the part of their artistry that made them personal that made them belong to us Mm -hmm. can sometimes get lost in this you know understandable and necessary listy recitation of their accomplishments and sort of like the the big headlines so someone like David Bowie or Prince or Aretha that you, you know, for a little while after they pass away, you're sort of like, but this person had already ascended to Olympus and perhaps was not as, as relatable as, as they might have been. Mm. Um, But it's always good to sit with their work and then remember why this is important you know, why it's important to you personally, like sort of the general you right. as a like human being and lover of music and just remembering how many of your memories took place alongside this great artist who was also a human like yes, you. Yes. And who initially spoke to you in some way because their humanity and your humanity felt synchronized. Yeah. I mean, and also that they were awesome at what they did like yes. you know the the shags are not necessarily <laughs> my pal what my i'm foot. but yes well i as much as i love that song and do have memories associated with it it's um you know that's not really what we're talking about we're right. talking about more like the great icons where you're like well but before an icon is an icon it, right it's that Aretha Franklin can speak about being frustrated with someone who will not change and therefore makes it useless for you to try to change. She can speak about that very relatable thing, but she speaks about it in this way that is so volcanically talented that she seems both completely relatable as a fellow human and astonishing as an incredibly gifted artist. And that combination of the two, the relatability and the astonishing talent, is what makes us love these artists because they are writing a story that we understand in a way that we wouldn't have anticipated it could have been written or couldn't have written it ourselves. So there's that combined sense of relating to them and being awed by them. And that's so 
exciting and it gives the art such a consistent feeling of discovery. And that's kind of what I was talking about before. Like I continue to be awed by the number of things that she does vocally and even in the clip that we played, but I'm glad too, that you brought up the moment immediately after someone dies, uh, what we say about them. Uh, this may not be wh where you were going, but it made me think that there's always a period of encomiums and hagiography where the person yeah. is perfect. And one of the things that I love about Aretha Franklin as a public figure when she was alive, and I hope we don't forget to celebrate, was that she was really eccentric. She wore her coat on stage. She wouldn't fly. She insisted on being paid in cash. Like, <laughs> yes, great. Aretha Franklin was weird in a way that I always liked, and that doesn't diminish her talent. It actually makes me like her more because she actually was your crazy aunt who also was a genius. And that, I think, brings us to another version of Think that, <laughs> that Patreon uh, patron Randy P. pointed out. I had never heard this. I had no idea it existed. But this is a version of Think that includes entirely rewritten lyrics to be only about drunk driving. Aretha Franklin wrote this for a PSA she made for Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Let's just listen to a little sample of Think drunk driving version. That's horrible, but also a treasure to behold. I mean, don't drink and drive, y'all. You gotta use, use caution. caution. <laughs> had you heard this before? Uh, I'm sure I did at the time, but I had no memory of it. And then when I was putting the, when I was loading up the clips for this episode, I was like, oh, this thing. Oh, dear. Um, I did not go back and watch the video, but I, I seem to recall that it was like, on a video basis, pretty poorly made. Like this is a pretty good rewrite of the song. I'm glad they had her do it. If it was going to be done at all, which yes. perhaps it should not have been, but <laughs> if you must, <laughs> yeah, Sarah, it is a really shitty video. It's like one take. It, it seems like Aretha Franklin had 30 minutes and she just said, y'all just need to have the cameras ready. Cause I'm leaving when I'm leaving and you get what you get. So she walks into this club. She sings it. The thing that I find so interesting is that this version of Think is about a minute and a half longer than the original version of Think. Oh, my God. Is it really? It's like 3.50. It's oh, girl. Jesus. Okay. Sing on. You got to use caution. No, no. I really mean it. You got to use. Let me reiterate one more time. Oh. But they were like, look, you give us another verse or we're paying you with a check. Yeah. Decide. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Sarah, that joke. You get a raise. I'm giving you a raise. Just like I don't dangling the check. Yeah, <laughs> like girl over get here. Back. Aretha, back. seriously, we have a sack of 
crisp 50s over here. And if you write one more verse, you can have them. If not, you're going to have to get this check cash somewhere. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> and she's like, I'm on it. Two minutes later, she has a full song. She does a little dance. And she's like, hey, gets the sack, puts it in her pocketbook, and leaves with her fur coat on. <laughs> and I would like to think that's how she left this planet. Pocketbook, fur coat, and in, in, on her person as she headed out the door and up on in Tabula land. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is pretty much what that is pretty much what I was trying to say about, you know, the death of of icons like this, that it's, you know, finding your way back to what made you love them is, you know, it t- can take a few days or a week. Um, and although this episode is coming out, uh, you know, a few weeks after she passed away, Definitely, we have, like, our, I went through this process where, like, she was even on, um, like, Rachel Maddow. Like, she wasn't, but, like, she was the topic on Rachel Maddow and on Lawrence O'Donnell. And it was, like, but Cover of the New Yorker that's actually just came to my house this week. Yes. That it's, like, okay, well, I understand that this was a, you know, talk about a cross-genre event. Um. But it was like, okay, so we have to let this, like, sonic boom of the culture, like, this spasm of reaction settle down. And then we can actually sort of contemplate this this icon's contributions to not just the culture, but to all of our lives personally and think about what she was trying to do to us. And you have to say that she succeeded in what she was what she was doing oh hell yeah um and if anyone can recommend to me um particularly wonderful uh but lesser known examples of her uh piano playing i would love it oh yeah me too yes please well listeners thank you so much patrons thank you again for voting and uh sarah i'm actually gonna go grab my pocketbook and make sure that no one has fucked with it in the time that we've been sitting here Mm -hmm. having this conversation Okay, well, I was going to change, but I'm not if you keep doing things I don't. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Feel my baby, we had a big fire. We ended our romance the same night. In an angry mood, he walked out the door. Y'all, Mark and Sarah Talked About Songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship, a.k.a. me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well. Do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at TalkSongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. To become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening. Do me this favor and I'll love you forever. Many romances have been seen by your sound. You've touched so many lovers so many times. Sarah talk about shoot, Marsh and Sarah talk about shoot, Marsh and Sarah talk about shoot.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.